So each week during stewardship season, we are focused on a psalm. On this final Sunday of the series, we're digging into Psalm 34, which is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving. To experience this psalm, we're going to say the first 10 verses out loud together. So I'd like to invite you, all who are able, to stand and join me in unison. Now, listen for God's word to you. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. O humble, hear me and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord, and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for those who fear him have no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, I wonder if this happens to you like it happens to me. You are eating a meal while doing something else. You are multitasking. Maybe you're eating at your desk at work. Maybe you're eating in front of the computer at home. Maybe you're eating while you are watching TV. And about two-thirds of the way through that meal, you stop and you realize something. You realize that up to that point in the meal, you haven't tasted anything. I mean, yeah, sure, at some base biological level, your taste mechanism has been functioning but it's been functioning in the background. You haven't been conscious of it. You haven't noticed the actual flavor and taste of that sandwich that you have been eating for 10 minutes, which of course means that you have not been enjoying the flavor of that sandwich that you have been eating. Does that happen to you? Well, if it does, like it happens to me, what that means is for that two-thirds of the meal, up until that point, you have opted out. You have failed to enjoy one of God's most delightful gifts. This sense of taste that God has wired into each one of us as one of his extravagant gifts of creation. And for my money, of all of the systems that God has wired into our bodies, I think the sense of taste is one of the most extravagant. I mean, okay, we've got five senses, and each one of those is kind of a mix of serious uh, functional purpose and um, pure enjoyment. But of all the five, it seems like the sense of taste is skewed more to the side of 
serious pleasure. Am I not right? I mean, in the sense of taste, God went way out of his way, went over the top. I assume that God could have achieved the biological purpose of our sense of taste without designing us so that so many things just taste so dang good. So scientists call this amazing system the gustatory system. It is a complex structure of uh, a complex array of structures located primarily in our tongue, but of course our brain is involved. And it turns out the sense of smell also plays a supporting role in our perception of taste. That appetizing enlargement that you're looking at on the screen right now is of course a close-up of the human tongue. And you are looking at the thousands of little bumps on the tongue the scientists call lingual papillae. Now, each of those papilla actually houses hundreds of taste buds, and each taste bud consists of 50 to 100 taste receptor cells. You see a diagram of those cells on the right. Each receptor cell is a masterpiece of complexity, where a number of proteins just happen to be waiting there for the arrival of your food, which has already been crushed up a little bit by your teeth, and it's been broken down a little bit by saliva. And each one of these different proteins reacts only with specific chemicals in our food. And we experience those distinct chemical reactions as different flavors. Remarkably, this entire exquisite range of what we experience as flavor is actually just a combination of five basic tastes. Sweetness, sourness, saltiness, bitterness, and one scientist called umami. They use a Japanese word, and this is the savory flavor that's in meat and in tomatoes and some other things. As they react chemically, the proteins together reveal the presence and the blend of these five distinct tastes and then they collate that information and they send it on to a complex neural switchboard which sends all of this taste data onto the brain accompanied, it turns out, if the taste is pleasant by that pleasure chemical serotonin. Mmm. <laughs> While each taste receptor cell can actually, it has the proteins that can sense all five of these tastes, each cell tends to specialize in just one of the five basic flavors, and then those specialized cells tend to cluster in distinct parts of our tongue. And you can see that on the diagram there. What a beautifully elaborate, extravagant system God has stuck in each one of our mouths. Can I have an amen? amen. And for sure, our taste system serves an important function. And evolutionary biologist will explain how the gustatory system evolved to solve the problem of distinguishing between safe and unsafe foods. I suppose that early on, those who did not spit out rancid or poisonous food didn't live long enough to propagate, and so the system just kept getting better and better. Now, I can appreciate the important biological function of our taste, our sense of taste, but I still don't think that scientific explanation accounts for the sheer magic of flavor. 
you can't tell me that the human experience of flavor is not better described as the extravagant gift of an extravagant creator. I mean, think of the sheer intricacy of the various tastes that we experience. We don't perceive any food as simply one of these flavors. Taste is complex. It is layered. It is infinitely subtle. As the wine industry has grown in Washington State, and I see Jill over here, um, uh, we've become more familiar with the easily parodied descriptions of professional wine tasters. And so I got on the Total Wine website this week, and I found this. This is an actual description of a wine. Cedarwood, blueberry, and blackberry liqueur, as well as hints of forest floor, lead pencil shavings, and tobacco leaf, are all present in this fragrant, sumptuously textured, full-bodied, massively rich, yet sensationally well-balanced Cabernet Sauvignon. It was 250 bucks a bottle. So. But you don't have to be a wine lover to appreciate the sheer complexity of flavor. As someone, I will admit it, who simply loves food, who loves all sorts of food, I could name any number of different styles, different nationalities of food whose flavor I happen to find pleasurably complex. But for me, I don't think any would top the complexity of Indian food. I mean, how it blends so many different distinct flavors and spices. It combines sweetness and spiciness and pungency and creaminess and... Ooh, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> now we are ready to turn to Psalm 34. I love this whole psalm. In fact, early in our marriage, Debbie and I actually memorized it together. And I just, it's a poem of sheer enjoyment of God, of gratitude, of praise, of delight. But I especially love this nine word phrase that is the first part of verse eight Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good might sound a little familiar because it's the phrase that I um, often use in the celebration of the Lord's Supper on those months where we pass the elements and I want you to hold the bread and wait until we all take it together and so I say oh taste and see that the Lord is good but step back a second what an unusual way to talk about our relationship with the creator of the universe it's almost as if before you see and understand God with your rational eyes, you need to savor God with your more expressive palate as pleasure, as delight. It's, uh, it's so sensual that it almost makes you blush, doesn't it? I mean, this is a phrase that is epicurean. This is a phrase that's bordering on decadent. It is such an unexpected way to talk about God, it almost makes you wonder how such a phrase ended up in the Bible at all. Now, it's interesting that Psalm 34 is one of a number of psalms, there's six or eight of them, that are alphabetical. And if you're looking carefully at this slide, you actually see the Hebrew alphabet, each letter's in parentheses, going down the right side of the page. Now, you've got to remember, Hebrew reads from right to left, if you look really carefully, you'll notice that the first letter of each word on successive lines is a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so this psalm is sort of like those 
A is for aardvark, B is for bear books that we all read as kids. I was thinking about this, and I thought I was musing a little bit, and I thought, you know, it's possible that the poet who wrote Psalm 34, there he was, kind of struggling first through those first seven lines, coming up with something for each of those first seven letters of the alphabet, got to number eight. It's the Hebrew letter tet. It's, that, um, it's the T sound, and you can see it in line nine of the bottom of the page there. And it's a little confusing because the Hebrew numbering of the verses is different than the English. That superscription in Hebrew is verse number one. So that's why this is verse nine in Hebrew, eight in English. But you can see it's a kind of curly Q circle with an open top. So I was thinking, okay, maybe the poet got through seven of these and he kind of had writer's block. He was stuck. He was just wondering what to write. And then his stomach growled. And then he realized it was lunchtime. And so he just dashed off, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then he went to lunch. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But even if that is the origin of this unexpected gustatory line of Scripture, I'm confident that the Holy Spirit was also a part of the process. And that means this line is supposed to be there for us to savor. It is there to make us stop and think in a, a fresh and a new way about our lives, but especially about our relationship with God. And here's why I love this phrase, why it feels like a gift from God. It tells me that in our, in our way with God, in our faith, there is a time to strive. There's a time to accomplish and to work and to learn and to hustle, to go on a mission trip or to evangelize, to serve the poor, maybe serve on a committee. All of that matters to God. All of that is important, but there is also a time to simply enjoy life, to savor it, to revel in its sheer blessing, to stop and taste just how good it is, how pleasurable and beautiful. And in that moment, not to accomplish anything, just to be grateful and to take pleasure. But it's, it's not just savoring the general goodness of life. In this psalm, it's more specific than that. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good savor, enjoy the sheer goodness of God. And when you see it that way, it, it really isn't any different than what this poet was saying in the rest of the psalm that we read together. Take verses 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Or what the writer writes in verse 5. This is another favorite line of mine. Look to him and be radiant. Be radiant. Just glow with the sheer joy of God's presence. All this to say, part of what it means for us to love God, part of what it means for us to live our lives each day as worship is to simply enjoy and appreciate the gifts God gives us. We honor God by taking the time not just to notice God's blessings, but to savor them. To stop, for instance, and savor the sheer beauty of this world God has created. 
and it's appreciation that is sure easier here in the Northwest, easier on all these sunny fall days that we were having until this weekend, to marvel at the fact that God put these mountains, this sound, all of these trees here to cause us joy. And if that's the case, then we need to honor that intention. And when we do, when we take time to savor this beautiful world that God has made, it's not just pleasure that we have, we actually get to know God better because this is a God who obviously delights in beauty. We also honor God when we savor His gift of life that He gives each one of us fresh every day. To savor the countless miracles that are going on inside every cell of our bodies at every moment. The staggering complexity of each of us. Each one of us a universe of biology and chemistry. We honor God when we savor the blessing of family, of friends, of classmates, of jobs, of colleagues, of homes, of daily bread. Daily flavor-packed bread. And, and this is the point as we wrap up this stewardship season, we also honor God when we simply stop to savor the blessing that is North Creek Presbyterian Church. Savor the fact that for nearly four decades, an odd and quirky group of people have gathered here each Sunday morning, and they've raised their voices in praise and prayer, they've confessed and been forgiven, they've turned their attention to Scripture, they've witnessed to God's love for the world, and for them shown in Jesus Christ. Savor the fact that along the way, children and teens have grown to adulthood, having heard that Jesus loves them too, and that Jesus has a purpose for their lives, to savor the fact that over those decades, this congregation has touched lives in concrete acts of compassion through our mission around the globe. We celebrated that three or four weeks ago. That there are people in Haiti and in Uganda and in the Yucatan and in the Metau Valley who have experienced God's love concretely through the love of this congregation. We honor God when we stop and simply savor the richness of the web of relationships that God has spun between us all over those years as a congregation. How we have cared for each other through births and deaths, through joy and grief. How we have held each other up in prayer and in encouragement and love. We honor God when we stop and savor the way that this beautiful church facility built by the generosity of many of you and many others who are no longer here, how this facility is used every single day by groups in this community, by our Prince of Peace preschool, by our mops, by the developmentally disabled adults at Aaron's Place, by Alcoholics Anonymous, by Mill Creek Senior Aerobics. We honor God when we stop and savor the faithfulness and commitment shown by generations of this church's leaders, by elders and deacons and Sunday school teachers and staff. And finally, yes, we honor God by stopping to savor the financial generosity of four decades of faithful members. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
for his steadfast love endures forever. When Jesus wanted the perfect metaphor for what the kingdom of God is like in a parable that he was telling, when he wanted to describe what it means to say yes to following him, to say yes to experiencing God's love by connecting to a life-giving relationship with him, he chose to describe it as a great banquet, as a feast. And usually when we think about that parable, yes, it is a story about grace. It's a story about the host sending servants to find the most improbable people to come to that table. But when you step back and think about it, it is also a parable about flavor. Because what else happens at that table at a feast other than an unrestrained, unapologetic, sustained celebration of taste? Which is why on this Sunday, after our Stewardship Sunday, after last Sunday when so many of you came up to the microphone and put into words how you have experienced God's steadfast love, God's chesed in this congregation, we thought it made sense to just take a Sunday to stop and savor it all, to pause together to taste and see that the Lord is good. And what better way to signify that than to gather together as a congregation for pie? Because unlike those folks we talked about at the beginning of this message who are eating while doing something else, we're not supposed to rush through life not tasting God's blessing. We're supposed to stop and savor it. Savor God's love for the world and for us. It is an experience that is supposed to look something like this short video with which I'm going to close, which captures the moment a toddler first tastes and savors bacon. Jason, is that good? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good.